All right, so I do want to um, welcome everybody to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're continuing the book of Hebrews, and uh, we're in chapter 12 tonight, so only um, chapter 12 and chapter 13 to go. Um, so um, we're, we're kind of getting close to the finish line. Um, tonight, going to look at um, this call to endurance in running the race of, uh, of life, of our faith. And so uh, just uh, give a, a few minutes for those who uh, we, we typically start about 645, so a few minutes early. Um, I wanted to take a minute and just kind of um, go through what we've looked at in Hebrews. Um, of course, not in, in great detail, but just kind of an outline of where we've been. Um, and then we'll kind of see as we're finishing up how it all fits together. Um, so we started out in chapter 1 um, talking about the superiority of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God's Son, superior to the angels, and in fact, preeminent uh, in all of creation. Uh, and then we looked at in, in chapter 2, the, the writer of Hebrews focuses some on um, the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what we look at is that Jesus Christ in his humanity is also uh, higher and greater and superior to to all others. Um, the third thing we looked at it was um, how we're to follow Jesus, who was a faithful son, with our faith. And so, how we follow along, living a life for Jesus, is that we live by faith, uh, which is exactly what Christ did when he came. Was he was faithful to the Father's will. Um, and then we looked at uh, the promised rest that we, we have in Christ and the fact that he is our great high priest after, you remember, that's all, it's been a while, but we looked at uh, Melchizedek from Genesis and uh, how Christ is from that order of priests, which means he's a priest and he's a king uh, forever. And so uh, we know that the Hebrew people did not, it was not allowed to be a priest and a king, and yet that that's who Christ is. He came both as priest and he's re, will reign as king. Um, we looked at warning and encouragement um, about um, how we're to treat one another, how we're to live worthy to the call uh, of Jesus Christ in our life. So if we've been called by faith into the fold, right? If we've been called to be uh, sons and daughters of God, then we ought to live in a manner that's worthy of that calling that we've received. Um, then the writer goes back in chapter 7 and kind of addresses uh, Melchizedek again and how Christ is a prophet, priest, and king, um, and, and how he went into the sanctuary and um, literally the true sanctuary and, and paid for our sins by, by giving his life, by him becoming uh, the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, we looked at the new covenant and how the new covenant is superior to the old covenant, and we talked a little about uh, the works of the priest compared to the works of Christ and um, how the Levitical priesthood had to offer sacrifice to cover their own sins. Um, and the the uh, Aaronic or um, the, the descendants of Aaron who were the high priest, they too had to go in and they had to offer a sacrifice for their own sins. Uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, because he was a perfect spotless lamb, did not have to atone for his sins. And so he entered into the true sanctuary, he entered to the Holy of Holies, um, and sacrificed himself so that we might uh, be saved and walk in relationship with him. 
we looked in chapter 10 about sanctification and forgiveness once for all. Again, still uh, somewhat of, of the same theme where the Lord Jesus, um, his self-sacrifice um, is greater than, than any type of uh, priestly sacrifice that had been made before Christ or anything that would come after the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that Hebrews was written probably 67, 68 um, A.D., um, and the temple is destroyed in 70. And so the, so the writer of Hebrews is actually writing while the temple is still standing. Um, we looked at, um, in, in chapter 10, the exhortation to, to draw near and warning against us rebelling against God. So the writer gives us this uh, warning uh, not to stray away, but to stay faithful to the walk and the call uh, of the Lord Jesus in our life. Um, and then um, in 11, we looked at this hall of faith, these, these great men and women in the Old Testament, uh, and the faith that they had, and the faith they demonstrated um, at, in the manner in which they, they lived their life. And so we get to 12 coming off of this, this great hall of faith chapter. And so in chapter 11, it's like, look, at, you know, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, all these giants of the faith. Um, that's important because when we jump right into chapter 12, we, we start with that word, therefore, again. And remember, when we see therefore, we want to ask, what's it there for? And so we have to know what it is we just had talked about and studied in um, Hebrews chapter 11. And what we studied in Hebrews chapter 11 was, again, the hall of faith and the, these great men and women who lived their life, uh, exemplified faith in their life. Um, and so uh, we've been called to do the same thing. And so we begin chapter 12 with this call to endurance, right? That, that God's calling us to persevere, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our example and that we shouldn't uh, stop short of the finish line, but we ought to run all the way uh, the race of life that we're living. And so we just want to jump in. And, and so uh, in chapter 12, just we're going to start verse 1, and we're just going to walk through it like we do every single uh, Wednesday night and Sunday night. Uh, be in prayer as we begin to, to shift our focus, uh, because uh, after Sunday night, we ought to be through with the book of Hebrews. And so as I try to make a decision uh, through prayer uh, and study uh, where God would want us to go next uh, in our Bible study times, uh, ask that you be in prayer for that as well. And, and I would encourage a comment or uh, in, uh, just there in the comment section of Facebook, if you have some, uh, something you've been studying, perhaps um, maybe an, uh, God uses you to, to share, share with me um, where he'd like us to go next. Uh, but so we've got a week or so, and then we'll be starting a new uh, Bible study. And so, um, so we'd love to hear from you on that. So chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance um, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So here, here's the deal. We want to run the race of life. And there are a couple things that can trip us up. Right, the first thing that can trip us up is sin. Uh, so if we're not careful, the sin in our life can cause us to stumble in this race that God's called us to run. But we also have this large cloud of witnesses. And now remember, the large cloud of witnesses is coming off of 
of Hebrews chapter 11, which are all these men and women throughout the Old Testament who demonstrated the life of faith. And so as, as we walk, we, we should keep two things in mind. First, those who've come before us. And now, now, this can be those in the Bible. This can be great men and women of, of Scripture, but it can also be men and women uh, that have had an influence in your life, someone who took special uh, attention to you, someone who may have mentored you in the faith. And, and so that's the first thing is we're not in this race by ourselves. There, there have been those who've come before, and there will be those who've come after. Um, so... Um, so just uh, we keep our eyes on this cloud of witnesses and we keep our eyes on sin because sin can uh, easily ensnare us. And so we want to make sure that as we run the race of life, that our eyes are focused on, on the right thing. So we watch out for sin, that sin doesn't stop us in our tracks. And we look to others as an example of how to run this race and how they ran the race of life. And so when, when we find ourselves... Um, desperate, um, desiring something, like Hannah desired a child and prayed that God would give her a child, and, and God did, and she, she dedicated him to the service of the Lord. But we, we look at like a Hannah, and we see um, how persistent she was, her faith, her prayer life, her trust in God. And so when we see that, we have this great cloud of witnesses. It's almost a picture of almost like an Olympic stadium full of those who have come before us, full of those who are an example of faith to us. And as we run the rap, uh, each lap right in this life, you know, each lap we may find different things that, that want to trip us up or ensnare us. And as we see those things um, ahead, we keep our eyes on the sin to make sure that doesn't ensnare us. And we keep our eyes on those who have come before us and been a great example to us. And so we look to those, and uh, we are encouraged by their faith and by the trust that they demonstrate in their own life. And so I know that I have um, some men and, and women in my life um, who encouraged me, who invested into my life. And so when I'm going through difficult times now, um, then it's always great for me to think uh, uh, of how people invested in my life. And so um, I encourage you to do the same. And, and to, so when we're going through a difficult time, um, our focus, uh, our sight is on those who've come before us, those who have persisted, uh, those who have, have made it through. Uh, verse 2 says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. So the first thing we want to do is remember there are those who've come before this cloud of witnesses. The second thing is we want to keep our eyes on sin because sin can easily ensnare us. And then in verse 2 it says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we look to the life of the Lord Jesus as an example for us, right? And, and so here's kind of the deal. I, I don't know if you've ever um, run, um, jog, train uh, some, uh, but I, I've ran some road races and things like that and, and uh, used to love to run. And, and there would be times in any road race or, or uh, any distance running that you did where physically you felt like you were maybe at the end. You felt like you had uh, given all that you had. Uh, but typically, when you're running a race, uh, you wait for someone who's running at about the same pace you want to run, and, and then you run with them. 
And the idea is that having somebody to run with you, it, it encourages you. It, it, it um, causes you to push yourself to go a little further. When, when two people are racing, we know that people run faster when there's a, a race, a competition, than if you just put someone out there and tell them to run as fast as they can. And so for us in this life, the perfect example, the one we want to keep our eyes on, the one that we want to um, imitate in the way we live, uh, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have a crowd, of, this great crowd of witnesses. Um, so we look back to those who have influenced our life, and we look back to Scripture. Then we uh, watch out for sin so that sin doesn't trip us up in this life. And then we keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfecter and the giver of our faith. And so so maybe, you know, you're going through something and you just feel like, man, I don't, I don't know that I really, my faith is shaken. And when you get to those times, remember that it is, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who not only perfects your faith, but is the one who gives faith. And so there are times when we may need to approach the Lord Jesus Christ just asking, God, I need, I need faith in my life. I, I need you to, to perfect the faith that you've given me. So he is the perfecter and the giver of the faith that we have. Uh, that's a very important, I think, doctrinal point that we need to, to, to just meditate on. It is Christ who not only perfects our faith, but gives us faith. And so when you feel a lack of faith, then Hebrews seems to imply then we can go before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our mediator between God and man, and we can ask God for the faith that we need. We can pray and tell God, God, I just... I need a greater faith. I need my faith perfected. And it's Christ who does that work in our life. Uh, verse 3, uh, we kind of move now, uh, shifting away from we have this great cloud of witnesses. Keep an eye on sin so that sin doesn't trip you up. Keep your eyes focused on Christ as you run this race of life. We get to verse 3. And verse 3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. So if you want a beautiful story of persistence, you want a, you want a story of someone um, not giving up or not giving in, pressing on, then, then the greatest example of a life like that is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was willing to endure the shame of the cross uh, for you and for me. Um, we deserved what he endured. And so we look to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and we understand that um, if he just he's our example a perfect example and so keep your eyes on christ verse four says in struggling against sin you have not yet registered or, or resisted to the point of shedding your blood and so as we think this life is tough and it seems like sin is um all around us uh, just remember this um to live the life that God's allowing you to live right now, it did not cost you an ounce of blood, all right? It cost Christ his life, right? And the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he literally bled for us and died for us. And so when we feel like giving up, here's the thing to remember. To live this life for God and to have a relationship with God didn't cause me an ounce of blood. It cost Christ his life blood. He laid his life down for us. Verse 5 says, And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. 
My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Now, I would say this is simply the Hebrew uh, writer is just saying this. God loves you too much to let you remain in sin. All right, Jesus didn't die so that you could be saved, but that you would be um, at the same time uh, overtaken by sin. Jesus died to deliver you from sin, right? And this is the love of God. And so God disciplines his children just as we discipline our children, right? It's not that we take pleasure in disciplining our children. It's that we have to discipline them in order for their own good. Right? We, we teach our kids don't run in the, in the highway. And when we see our kids getting too close to the highway, we discipline them. The reason we discipline them is so that we can protect them. It's for their good. It's not that we enjoy uh, disciplining our kids. It's that if we love them, we need to discipline them. And God, in fact, loves us too much to allow us um, to continue in sinfulness. He loves us too much to... Um, let us stay much at the maturity that we, we started at, right? He wants us to grow. He, he wants us to be discipled. And, and so he loves us, and therefore he disciplines us. Uh, verse 7 says, uh, endure suffering as discipline. Now, this, this probably isn't a popular passage, right? This isn't the most popular verse to endure suffering for the discipline that we get from it. Uh, again, I would share with you the, the, this theme of like running the race of life. And, and if you really set a goal, you really want to run a race uh, physically, then you have to put yourself through some discipline. You have to be disciplined. You have to go through some suffering. You, you have to uh, run further each day than you ran before. You, you have to um, take care of your body. You, you maybe you have to ice your knees and and ankles, whatever it is that you have to discipline yourself so that you can run the race to the very best of your ability. And what scripture says here in the book of Hebrews is that we have to face discipline from God um, and we will face some suffering so that we become more disciplined. And so God uses the suffering in our life to discipline us, to, to grow us, to mature us into uh, who we'd have us to be and what he would have us to do. And so we never want to waste um, the suffering in our life. When, when we're going through something, we need to be seeking God and asking the question, God, what is it that you want to teach me in the midst of my suffering? What, what discipline are you trying to, to do in my life? Are you, are you trying to uh, teach me, um, maybe to teach me humility? Um, maybe it's um, uh, to show me that um, I need to trust and rely on God. Uh, whatever it is, just know this, that when we face suffering, God's doing work in our life. Uh, you, you never suffer for suffering's sake, right? God's not that kind of God. He's not the kind of God that just allows suffering for no reason or, or just randomly. God uses all suffering to discipline us, to, to mature us, to bring us into a, a better and more likeness of Jesus Christ that we might could imitate Christ. And the only way we're ever going to have that type of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with our Heavenly Father is for us to be disciplined, for us to grow in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so, yeah, we, we don't necessarily like going through suffering, but suffering is not 
in vain, right? Uh, you'll never spend not, not even a millisecond in suffering that God's not using um, to do something in your life to bring about good, right? Um, so scripture talks about God working out this peculiar weight of glory in our life, right? And that suffering doesn't compare to the glory that, that God is going to receive and the maturity that we're going to gain from going through suffering. And so when, when we endure suffering as discipline, uh, verse 7 continues, says, God is dealing with you as sons. And so uh, if we truly are sons and daughters of, of God, then just understand that God's, he loves us too much to leave us where we are. Right? He has a desire, and that desires us to, to grow closer and closer in relationship to him and to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so he uses those difficult times in our life to grow us. Um, verse 7 continues, For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now, now this is a very important passage here. Where the, the, really focus on this being called illegitimate children. You have to understand that in ancient Rome, illegitimate children had absolutely no rights. In fact, an illegitimate child could not even um, receive an inheritance from someone. And so if you, were a, a, if you were a child that was illegitimate, then you, you could receive nothing, had no rights uh, in ancient Rome. And, and so we want to make sure that, um, that we're receiving discipline because if we're not being disciplined by God, then we're illegitimate children, right? It, it means there's something wrong. It means that our relationship with God, there's something flawed there, right? And so if we're not receiving the discipline of God in our life, then that may be a, a um, it may be a mark in our life that we need to check and make sure we are true children of God, that we really are living by faith, that we really have by faith and grace been saved. Because if, if we're not receiving discipline from God, then according to the writer of Hebrews, then we're like illegitimate children. And as illegitimate children, we can't receive our e eternal inheritance. And so this illegitimate part here is very important in Hebrews chapter um, 12, verse 8. For if we're without discipline, which we all receive, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9 says, Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? And so if, if we have been disciplined, if we, we expected to, I, I don't know about you guys, I expected to be disciplined by my father if I stepped out of line. He made it very clear what, what the ground rules were. And if I went against him, right, if, I, if I went against his rules, uh, then I knew there was going to be discipline um, because my dad loved me too much to let me just go do whatever I wanted to do. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father, right? The same is true with God. And so God desires to discipline us, not for discipline's sake, but so that maturity night might take place and perfecting might take place. Remember earlier in this chapter that Jesus Christ is both the perfecter and the giver of faith. 
right? And so God's using the, the, the scenarios in our life, the struggles in our life, the, the different circumstances we find ourselves facing. God's using those to discipline us. And that discipline in turn brings about maturity. And so we really need to be, be careful. If we're not being disciplined by God, then we may be illegitimate children. And if you're an illegitimate child, according to the ancient uh, Roman civilization, you could not receive the inheritance of the Father. Well, what is the inheritance of God? Well, it's eternal life in God's presence. And so if we're not being disciplined, it may be a sign, again, that something's not right in my life. Um, and so, uh, in that frame of reference, we can somewhat celebrate when we're being disciplined by God because it's evidence that God's working on us. It's, it becomes evident that God is doing work in our life. He's disciplining, uh, disciplining us. And so, if that discipline doesn't take place, then we need to stop and begin to, to really pray and ask God to to um, show us what, what we need to see, to, to tell us what we need to hear, to make sure that we're living life in relationship with him so that uh, one day we receive the inheritance of our Father, which is eternal life in his presence. Verse 10 says, For they disciplined us for a short time um, based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we uh, can share in his holiness. And so this is the, the reason why we, why we face the discipline of the Lord. Uh, the reason that we go through this disciplining is so that we might take part in the holiness of God. So this act of um, discipline by God on his children is making us more and more like Jesus Christ, more and more like our Savior. And so in that, let's, we, we take great comfort. We celebrate the fact and that when God is dealing with us, when he is disciplining us, that in actuality, it's making us more and more like our Savior. Verse 11, uh, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so this is what I'm talking about. Like We don't have to enjoy suffering. So, so that's not what the writer of Hebrews is saying. But we need to understand that suffering has its place. right? We need to understand that God's discipline has its place as well. When we were growing up and our parents disciplined us or grandparents disciplined us, we didn't enjoy it at the time. Right, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, I really would have rather not been whipped um, uh, or disciplined, uh, grounded, have things taken away. At the time, it didn't feel good. Uh, but what it did was it, it made me a better person. You see, the, the discipline of my parents, um, them raising me in a godly manner, made me a better person. Well, God, when he disciplines us, he is making us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we, we don't like the pain that we suffer in this life. And, and Scripture doesn't say we have to like it or have to enjoy it at the time. But what we need to understand is it has its place and it has its purpose. And so the writer of Hebrews is very clearly saying, when you're suffering, when you're facing difficult circumstances, know that God's doing a work. Take comfort and solace in the fact 
um, that every ounce of suffering we face is God doing something within us, is, is God um, uh, maturing us, um, God having greater fellowship with us. And so every ounce of your suffering is um, producing something within your life. It, it is you being perfected, not perfect, but this perfecting work where we're becoming more like the perfect one, Jesus Christ. We get to verse uh, 14 now. Um, well, verse verse 12, I'm sorry. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weaken knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Uh, just listen, plan on living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Plan on doing the right thing. Uh, and when circumstances pop up in your life, we have in advance planned our life, right? We've, what did it say in the very beginning of, of chapter 12? It said there's a great cloud of witnesses. So we've put our eyes on the witnesses. Uh, it says, be careful that your sin doesn't ensnare you. And so we're focused our life on uh, not giving into sin and on setting things up in our life boundaries so that we're not going to stumble over sin. And then we keep our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and the giver of our faith. And, and so here in verse um, 12 and 13, it's basically saying to us, be prepared for what life's going to throw your way, right? It, it's too late once you're in the midst of a struggle to begin to plan or prepare for struggle. Uh, we've got to, you know, be prayed up and read up and and uh, be in a right place with God before the difficulties in this life come. Right? I mean, God's still going to see us through. God's still in control. God's still sovereign. But if we've planned our life in such a way, if we're living our life in a way that we're expecting God to um, make more of us than we are by ourselves, to, to create us more in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, then when difficulties come, then when tragedies strike, we're on a firm foundation, a foundation built upon God knowing that, that God uses all things in this life um, to, uh, to grow us and mature us uh, into being more and more like Christ. And we move to a section now in Hebrews chapter 12 where the writer's talking about uh, warning us about rejecting God's grace. Um, this warning that uh, this, the grace of God is such a great grace then how great the penalty will be for rejecting the grace of God. And so verse 14 says, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. And so we're to live at peace both with God and man. We know Scripture teaches this all throughout. If it at all possible, we are to live peaceably with men and with God. If you can't live peaceably with men, with other people, how in the world can you share Christ with them? How, how can you be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ if you can't even live at peace with other men? And so we, we should make it our aim, if at all possible, to live at peace with both God and man. Um, verse 15 says, Make sure no one falls short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. And so ultimately, if we're keeping our eyes on sin that so easily ensnares us, which is back in verse 1 of this chapter, 
then we, we're, we're looking to the grace of God uh, to deliver us from bitterness, um, from anger, uh, from um, gossip, right? So all these sins that can easily ensnare us, God's grace is he came, he died, not only that we could have everlasting life, but that we could be freed from the bondage of sin. And so we need to live our life to the very best of our ability in the grace of God, which has freed us from captivity, freed us from slavery to sin. Verse 16 says, And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears, because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Just keep your life clean. Uh, make sure that there's um, there's no skeletons in your closet, so to speak, right? We ought to be an open book, um, living kind of a simple life. Just our yes is our yes, our no is no. Uh, we try to live with integrity. We try to live up to the standards God's placed in our life that we find in his word, walking to the very best of our ability each day by the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. And so if we really want to be um, who we've been called to be uh, in Christ Jesus, then we've got to put a rest to sin. And the way we put sin to bed um, is by the grace of God. Um, verse 18 says, For you have not come to what could be touched, to blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged, that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not bear what was commanded. If, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Uh, remember when the presence of God comes down on Mount Sinai and the mountain is covered by uh, the glory of God, uh, almost like a cloud descends upon Mount Sinai. And uh, and the people were afraid. Moses goes up, remember. Moses comes down from being on the mount with God. And uh, you'll remember that Moses wanted to see God pass by, and God allowed him just to see um, the backside of him passing by right? because he could not look on the glory of God um, and, and live. Moses, just being in the presence of God, comes off the mountain and his face is shining like the sun. In fact, it scared the, the children of Israel. It scared the Hebrew people because the glory of God had impacted Moses so much that his face shone. And so um, that the writer here is reminding us that um, this mountain of God, Mount Sinai for Moses, right, that even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned because we're talking about the holiness of God, right? We're talking about nothing can impugn the holiness and the righteousness uh, of God. And so if, a, if an animal touched the mountain, it had to be killed right then uh, because it could impugn the honor, the holiness of who God is. And so the people feared. Uh, verse 21 says, Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. Uh, verse 22 says, Instead, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a feasty 
uh, a festive gathering to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. So that's kind of, a, I know, that's a lot to take in all at once. But, but here's the notion. Uh, when Moses establishes the tabernacle, right? God gives him instructions and says, I'm going to come dwell in, a, in the tabernacle as the children of Israel are going through the wilderness. Uh, and he gives Moses all these instructions about uh, how the tabernacle is to be built and what needs to go inside. And so when Moses, uh, when they had got the tabernacle ready, um, then Moses dedicated the tabernacle to God. And, and what he did was, of course, he, he sacrificed an animal. And then the blood of that animal, which is representing the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to come and, and shed his blood for us and, and for our forgiveness of sins. Uh, Moses took that, the blood of that animal and sprinkled the tabernacle uh, as a way of um, uh, dedicating it to God, but also sprinkled the people. Um, and this was the way that, um, that the tabernacle system was put into place where God would dwell in the tabernacle with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Um, the, the same is true with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he came and he died and he shed his blood so that the spring, by the sprinkling of his blood, um, he was dedicating a new tabernacle to God, um, a new dwelling place of God. Ultimately, Christ came, and because of the blood of the Lord Jesus uh, poured into our life and over our life and covering our lives, now we become literally the temple of God because the Holy Spirit dwells within the believer, uh, which is a, is different than what takes place in the wilderness with Moses. It's different than what took place um, in Jerusalem in the temples where God dwelled in holy of holies. Uh, now the Spirit of, of God dwells within the hearts of believers. And so literally we've become temples uh, of of the, the high, you know, utmost and highest God. Uh, verse 25 says, um, See to it that you do not reject the one who speaks. For if they do not escape when they rejected him who warned them on heaven, even less will we if we turn away um, from him who warns us from heaven. Uh, again, warning about rejecting the grace of God. Um, so listen, uh, we are to live life in such a way that we're embracing God's word, we're embracing God's um, when he declares things to us, when he tells us he wants us to do certain things, uh, we are to submit and yield ourselves to the grace of God. Um, if not, it's such a great grace. So just for a second, if you can just try. God's grace is such a big grace, right? Uh, forgives us from our sins, um, allows us to spend eternity in heaven in, in his presence. Um takes us away from being captive to sinfulness, um, gives us the ability to live a life in relationship with God. This grace is a really big, it's a really great grace that comes from God. Now, if we reject a great grace, then the, the price of that rejection as well is going to be great. And so we have to be careful, right? Because um, 
the punishment that comes from rejecting the grace of God is eternal. It, it's a big price to pay. And so we have to make sure that when God's grace has been presented, when, when grace has been offered from heaven, is what it says, that we're willing to embrace that, right? That we, we want to accept the very grace of God. We want to walk in the grace of God. Um, because to reject the grace of God, the price is too high. Uh, it's just a great grace requires a great punishment if it's rejected. Um, verse 25, I, I just read uh, again. I see to it that you do not reject the one who speaks. So this is do not reject the grace of God. Uh, for if they did not escape when they rejected him, um, who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. So again, um, when God's grace is offered, it's such a great grace that we need to, without question, accept the grace of God, understanding that to reject God's grace, um, as he warns us from heaven, is to accept a great penalty uh, for that rejection. Uh, verse 26 says, His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Uh, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So this, this picture here, I just want to kind of tie the whole chapter together, if I can do that. Um, we start, uh, be, because in, in chapter 11, we saw all these great people of faith in the Old Testament uh, who lived an exemplary life. And, and what chapter 12 says, Therefore, since all of them live by faith, we have a great cloud of witnesses that surround us which means we have people who have lived a life um, of example to us, uh, people in our own life, people in Scripture. And so we keep our eyes on this great cloud of witnesses when we stumble in this race of life, when, when obstacles um, we find have, have gotten in our way, then we look to those who've come before us and how they lived a life of faith, and we, we, we try to imitate that. We also need to keep our eyes on sin. Because sin can easily ensnare us and prevent us from running this race that uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about. And so we keep our eyes on the, the great cloud of witnesses. We keep our eyes on sin. Uh, we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the perfecter and the giver of our faith. Again, just, just to think about that, to expound on that just a minute. Um, if he perfects our faith and he is the one who gives us faith, then if we're... Um, if we're lacking faith, we know who we need to talk to, right? We need to go to the one who mediates between God and men. And so we're, we're um, so thankful, right, that we have one who mediates, who understands even our uh, sufferings uh, because he suffered like us uh, and suffered with us. Um, and so the Lord Jesus Christ is, is a great high priest and mediator who understands our suffering. So we keep our eyes on Christ so that we might live by faith. 
And then we have to be careful, right? Because God disciplines those he loves. God disciplines those who are his children. And so if you're living life and you're not finding that God disciplines you when you step out of line, when you get out of the word, if that's the case, then you may be an illegitimate child, according to Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 8. And illegitimate children cannot receive an inheritance. Well, the inheritance we receive with God being our our Father is eternal life, all right, in His presence. But what we receive if we reject God's grace is eternal damnation or separation from God for all eternity. And so we, we need to be careful and understand that, that God's grace is a great grace, and rejecting that comes at a great price. The writer of Hebrews gives an example of this by going back to Mount Sinai, where Moses and the children of Israel are in the wilderness and, and Moses goes up on the mountain and, and God's glory falls on Mount Sinai. He gives Moses the law and instructions for building a tabernacle. Uh, Moses comes down from being in the presence of God and, and Moses, uh, his countenance, uh, he, he's glowing like the sun, right? And, and the children of Israel see this and they're afraid of Moses. In fact, so afraid that when Moses, as he goes to the tent of meeting and into the holy place in the tabernacle, would literally have to wear a veil over his face because his face shone from being in the presence um, of God. And that, that scared the, the children of Israel because it was looking on the glory of God. Um, and so that Shekinah glory, right, um, uh, that, that Moses experienced. Um, that's the kind of God we serve. That That's how great a grace we receive from a great God who is all-powerful, yet he's holy and he's righteous and he's just. And so we need to make sure that if God has, has reached down from heaven offering us grace, um, that we find ourselves um, humbled, and repentant of our sinfulness and rejection and rebellion against God, and we give God everything. God receives all, all that I am and all that I have and all that I ever will be. Um, that's what it means to, well, it's what it means to, in repentance, um, accept Christ as Lord, right? Not just Savior. We, we love the notion of Christ as Savior, but what's a little more difficult for us uh, to get behind is he's also Lord, which means um, uh, the, the, the Greek words that, that are used um, in Scripture are um, curios, uh, which means he's Lord, he's curious. And the word used for us as servants is the word doulos, which could be translated um, slave. So literally, we, he is our Lord and we are his servants. Um, and so, so we need to get behind this notion that if, if we really are children of God, uh, then we'll face discipline. We'll go through difficult times, but God's going to use every moment, like every second of your suffering to produce something good in your life, to, to make you more like Jesus Christ, to make you more like the Savior. 
And so we, we're, we're not happy in the moment of suffering, just like when we were disciplined by our parents. We're not super excited when, when we got a whipping or when we got grounded or whatever uh, punishment you may receive. But it was working something out in your life. It was making you a better person. It was your parents disciplining you so that you would become a better person. The same is true with our Heavenly Father. With God, He disciplines us so that we might become more like Christ. Um, and so when we look at God and how great He is, um, rejecting Him carries a great price. Um, and so the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage us um, that, that we live a life. He continues this theme of living a, a life worthy of the calling we received in Jesus Christ. Um, and so that should be our prayer, um, is God, uh, help me to live in such a manner that it brings glory and honor to your name. Uh, and Lord, help me as I go through difficult times, as I face discipline, uh, to become more like you. Um, and if we see that God's at work and God's doing something within our life, he's working out this peculiar weight of glory in the life of his believers through discipline, um, then it, it kind of all comes full circle. And, and so I, I pray, I pray chapter 12, um, that you, you'll go back, you'll read it a few times, you'll study it some, uh, over the next, uh, week and, and read 13 as next Sunday night or this coming Sunday, we'll finish the book of Hebrews, um, in chapter 13. Um, yeah, chapter 12, um, that there's some really big key doctrinal issues. Uh, one is Jesus is the perfecter and the giver of our faith. Um, and so if your faith needs to be perfected or you need more faith, then Christ is who you go to. He is both the perfecter and giver of faith. So whatever it is you're facing in your life, you're struggling with the, to walk by faith then go before Christ, take it to Christ. Uh, he is our high priest. He is our mediator. And so, um, and he understands uh, how we feel, what we face, the struggles we have. Uh, remember the um, enormity of God, how big God is. Um, and remember that rejecting uh, or rebelling against God comes at a great price, really too great a price to pay. Um, Remember the power uh, of God, uh, that with him all things are possible. And, um, yeah, I, I think that pretty much kind of sums up or generalizes um, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, so I encourage you, again, read it, uh, study it, pray over it, um, so that God might produce something within your, your life from the reading and studying of his word we know. Um, that God's word, when it goes out, doesn't return void, but it accomplishes what it's meant to accomplish in our life. And so that would be my prayer for you guys, that as you study, continue to study uh, Hebrews, um, that God would use it to produce um, maturity in your life, that we might become more like our Savior, Jesus. Uh, I pray you have a great week.